So one of my first jobs when I was a kid was I had a paper route. And it was an afternoon paper route, which was great. The morning one was just for the birds. My brothers had that. And I remember, I remember one time the Sunday paper was like that thick. And we had one of those wagons with, a, with the walls on it. And there was this big hill. And I don't know why we didn't wait till after we delivered the papers. But we decided to take it for a ride down the hill with all the papers in it. And it kind of tipped over and the papers went all over. It was, a, it was a disaster. But anyways, my paper route was in the afternoon. And I didn't mind doing the papers. But what I hated to do was collecting. I hated collecting. Now, some people were great. They left the money out. They paid on time. Everything was great. No big problem. But then there were the time where you had to go to the people that didn't pay you. And it just seemed like every time I turned around, man, I'd go and knock. And and I swear those people were there. But they were hiding. The paper boy's coming. Hide! Come on! It's like a buck fifty. Will you give me a break? But they would. And finally, you'd almost like be be hiding around. Because if, if I didn't get the money, it was out of my pocket. So it was like... Um, you'd hide around a bush or something. You'd wait for the car to pull in, and you oh, hi. <laughs> well, I remember one time, uh, this one lady, uh, she was always not around or whatever. And, you know, I, went, I remember going up to the door one day, and it was one of the first times I had, uh, had, you know, she was behind three or four weeks or something like that. And I remember going in, and um, she said, well, why don't you come in? Well, you never wanted to go into the house. You never wanted to do. You, no, I'll wait outside. And I think it was around Christmas time. Like, I, and it was like, oh, but I have cookies for you. And I'm going, yeah, I don't think I want cookies today. But I went in, and I was like in, when you first came in the door, it was like her dining room. But it wasn't a dining room. It was like there was a table, and there was stuff. I mean, it was... Almost to the ceiling. And there were like hallways of junk that you wa- you'd have to walk around to get around her dining room. And it was all over her house. I mean, it was, it was all over. And I mean, some of it was junk. I mean, it was garbage. It was like literally garbage, bags of garbage. And I could not understand that. It didn't make any sense. And it kind of was a little creepy to me, you know, young young boy. And I didn't know what to think about it. And then I realized a number of years ago, she was a hoarder. And I had never, I had never, and I, when, when I first heard about that hoarder show, and I haven't watched it, but I, I said, that's the lady. She was a hoarder. She was a hoarder. And it's, a, in a, it's an OCD condition, obsessive compulsive disorder, and a person with hoarding, uh, hoarding disorder experiences distress at the thoughts of getting rid of any item. And it doesn't matter whether you think it's valuable or not. There's, a, there's something, there's an emotion or something attached to the item. It could be a bag of, from McDonald's. That sh- that it doesn't really matter. And, and so it's, a, it's kind of something that I don't really understand. But I want, to, I want to suggest to you that there's a certain kind of hoarding that is good. And, and so I want you to turn this weekend to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is on page 737. If you don't have a Bible, we have these chair Bibles. Um, 
whether you're at the Kennedy campus, the Rochette campus, we have those Bibles. And uh, page 737, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Let me read you these verses. Jesus says this. Just a side note, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Jesus does the Upper Room Discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, in chapters 5, which starts with the Beatitude, Blessed is the man, blessed, blessed, right? And, you know, 5, 6, and 7 is, is the Beatitudes. Great passage to read through. This is, in the, this is in the middle of the Beatitudes, and he says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat, them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will be no you've seen the bumper sticker you can't take it with you right and that's true you can't take it with you but you can send it ahead and and it's kind of what hoarding for heaven is. Jesus isn't against us storing up treasure. He just doesn't want us to store it here on earth where it's going to get stolen, rusty, or moth eaten. He says, send it to heaven where it's going to be safe. So he's, he's basically, you have to make a good decision while we're here in this life of what we're going to store and where we're going to store it, right? Because when we store anything here on earth, it's, it's kind of gone. And so we have to say, what is it that we want to store? Um, Because most of us, whether we know it or not, we're storing things. We're using our time and our talent and our treasure, and we're storing things. Um, Somebody told me recently that we're all just trash collectors. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, we're just basically holding on to stuff that is valuable, but, you know, down the road it's just going to be trash. And I was thinking about that. I think that's true. And I was, you know, one illustration. I'll give you an illustration right here. Um, some of you have a phone. My, my, my mother-in-law, we were just out to see her uh, just yesterday. And she has a phone. And she says, how do I get the weather on it? And I showed her how to do the weather. And it wasn't a flip phone. But it, it's kind of an older phone. Um, anyway, um, I was thinking about the iPhone. And I was thinking about the first-generation iPhone, and I don't know how many hundreds of dollars. And it was super expensive, and it was the best thing ever. And everybody had to have an iPhone. And then uh, after the first uh, generation, there was the 3G and the 3GS and the 4 and the 4S and the 5 and the 5S. And now we're up to 6 and even uh, 7. You know, we're, so, But each, each iteration of this phone is like you have to have it. It, it, why would you even use anything that old? I mean, come on, get, a, get, in, get in the game and get the, get the right phone, right? And, you know, it's interesting because uh, if I were to show you a, a 3, 3G or 3GS phone or a 4 or 4S, you would look at it and say, this thing's a dinosaur. But you think back a few years ago, and what was it? It was like the thing. It was like, man, get me, get, I got to have one of those phones. I got to have it. And what does it become? Yeah, it's junk. You know what's going to happen to the iPhone 6? 6 Plus? <laughs> Don't, there, there we go, right? Uh, when we do have something of value, we need to put it in a safe place. And Jesus says, where you're, we, we, when we hoard our earthly treasure, it will rot if we place it here. We need to hoard our heavenly treasure where there is no theft, there's no destruction, no moth, no rust. Um, 
some of the guys that do cars saying, no rust in heaven? I love that. Because <laughs> I'm cutting rust out of cars and I'm trying to restore. And it's a mess. It's an absolute disaster. This car, especially here in the Midwest, and what do they call it? They call it the rust belt, right? And Because we have that rolled salt. That's why we can drive. And we can go to services on the weekend because we drop salt down on the road. And it, it, it makes our, our roads uh, passable, but it destroys our cars. So what are you going to do? But the question I want to answer this weekend is, what does it mean to hoard more in heaven? What does that mean? When Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth, what does he mean? Does he mean, don't bother with a savings account, don't uh, invest in Wall Street, don't put any money aside for tough times if they come, don't have an emergency fund? Well, that can't possibly be what Jesus means. And let me give you a few passages that you could look at. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, and I'll read these. This is on page 484, but uh, I'd rather have you hear the passage uh, rather than trying to turn to it and then get to it and you're missing it. But listen to what he says here. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. My mom used to call me lazy bones sometimes. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little, more, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So the... The, the, the Bible applauds those that, that work hard and save for a rainy day. 1 Timothy 5.8. The Bible also tells us that we have a requirement to care for our family members. In page 9.12, it says, Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. The Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, The good leave an inheritance to their children's children. Now, some people are leaving an inheritance so much that it gives no incentive. So you've got to balance that out. But the point is that, that, that saving and having, you know, helping your kids out is not a bad thing. The Apostle Paul indicates that, when, that you can enjoy what God has given you. We looked at that last weekend. Paul basically says that if you have more and you have enough, enjoy it. But if you have more than enough, then maybe it's to share with others. Okay? The point I want you to see is Jesus is prohibiting the selfish accumulation of goods. The selfish accumulation of goods. That's what he's talking about. When we hoard things here on earth and we're, we have more than we need, much more than we need, uh, we're, we're violating it. Notice what he says in James chapter 5. This is on page 932. He says this, Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away, eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. What is James saying? The same thing that Jesus is saying. By the way, he's the stepbrother of Jesus, right? 
And James is essentially taking the words of Jesus store up for your treasure, you know, your treasure, your treasure in heaven, right? And he's saying, don't leave it here because moth will get to it. It'll rust. It'll, it'll deteriorate. He says, no, look, send it to heaven. Send it to heaven. Well, the question is, how do we hoard more in heaven? How do we hoard treasure in heaven? Uh, let me give you a few, few things. Number one, we recognize that everything we have is his. Let me say it one more time and you'll say, well, I've, duh, I know that one. Uh, Everything that we have is His. Now, you would say, I already know that. The question is, if I were to follow you around with a camera, well, who uses a camera any day? With my phone, uh, if I were to do that and live, you know, Facebook you on everything you're doing, would that come true, right? Uh, The point is, we're called servants. We're called as servants of the Master. Everything we possess, even our very strength, our talent, our ability, our very breath, Everything is His. Everything is His. We are servants. We are slaves. We are stewards of the Master. Uh, We are called to be good stewards of His stuff. We're called to invest His stuff for His kingdom. One day we will give an account for how we've invested and cared for His stuff. It's His Matthew chapter uh, 25, you don't have to turn there. It's the parable of the talents. And essentially, the point, of the, ta- the, par- point of the parable is that one day we'll all be held accountable for what God has given. Now, when we use this word talent, it's misleading because in English we think of somebody who can play a guitar, somebody who can, can uh, do some trick or whatever, and that's not what it's talking about. It's really talking about possessions and money and things along those lines. And basically what he says is that everyone... Uh, is given a certain amount. And everything that you have and everything that you've been given belong to him. And one day he's going to come and he's going to say, okay, I gave you time, I gave you talent, abilities, I gave you treasure. What did you do with those? What did you do with those? Everything we are are given belongs to him. He's the owner. We are the stewards. And so, that's really the first thing. If you want to send it ahead, you have to understand ownership. And ownership means that even your very life belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Him. Your car, your house. You, you, you know, sometimes you say, well, that's my house. That's my car. That's my ki- Those are my kids. No, they're not. They're God's kids. That's God's house. That's God's car. You know, we, we say, well, we're in God's house. No, we're not in God's house. We're in a church building. And when we worship, it becomes the place where the church worships, and the church isn't a building. The church is the people. Um, so what, we, what we've done, though, is we've, we've, we've had this idea that if we build this beautiful temple with the stained glass windows, and nothing wrong with that, I'm not, that's not my point, but we say, well, that's God's house, but our house isn't. No, you're not understanding ownership. Everything we have and everything we are belongs to Him. And when we understand that, that we're merely stewards, and that God is he's, he's given us those to manage, and that one day we're going to have to give an account, well, now we start looking at our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure differently. And we look at our car, and we say, well, this is a tool that God has given me, uh, and one day I'm going to give an account, my house, all those other things. So those, those are things that uh, I, I need to carefully uh, manage. 
as a good steward. Number two, uh, if you want to treasure or hoard more in heaven, treasure more in heaven, we need to regularly invest our lives in others. Okay? There's a lot of things we can do with our lives. You can become a professional basketball player. You can become a, a, a musician. You can be a, a, a doctor or a lawyer. And those are all great things. But the question is, what will you take with you? We need to see that we're not here to serve ourselves, but we're, we're here to serve Him. And you say, Pastor, I want to serve Jesus. <laughs> no, you don't. You lie. <laughs> what I mean by that is you say you want to serve Jesus, but here's how you serve Jesus. You want to know how you serve Jesus? You serve Jesus by serving others. You can't serve Jesus unless you serve others. I mean, how are you going to do it? How are you going to serve Jesus? There are people that on the worship team, uh, in the tech booth tonight, in the kids' area tonight, made coffee. And that's just in this building, and that's just it. They served Jesus by serving you. That's how you do it. So if you're not serving others, then you're not serving Him. See, um, so when you say, Jesus, how can I serve you? (laughs) He says, find somebody to serve and get good at it. Um, You really can't serve without serving others. And uh, some are saying, well, is there a way I can get out of that? Is there a way I can get around that? Is there something I can do where I don't have to serve others? But, you know, think about Jesus. Isn't he the supreme example? And what does it say about Jesus? He came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible tells us uh, that he came to save us. You know, he tells this parable. um, This is in Matthew chapter 25 again. And it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's kind of an interesting parable, and I don't have time to go there and read it. But I want you just to think it through. This parable we see, um, it's interesting because um, Jesus brings the sheep and the goats up. And he brings the sheep first, and he says, he says, I want to just thank you. And again, this is. This is my interpretation or my summary of it. I want to just thank you because you served me so well. I was in prison and you served me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And they go, I don't remember that, Lord. I think I would have remembered that. That's pretty significant. And he goes, when you did it to the least of the, the, the one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. What's Jesus saying there? You served me by serving them. You served me by serving them. Well, we didn't know that, Lord. We had no idea. And that's the point. We are the answer to God's prayer. We are the answer to someone's prayer. We may be, we may be the only physical manifestation of God and of Jesus that people see. You know, one of the beautiful things of the church is when we begin to serve and we just say, and people say, why are you doing this? <laughs> why would you do this? And you say, well, because I'm serving him. Because I love him. Because he served me. Because he gave his life for me. Because he gave me life. Because he set me free. Because he's preparing a place. How could I not? Right? And so, so people go, Okay, that just blew my mind. But that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? 
I love it when I, when I say to a volunteer, thank you. And they go, well, I didn't do it for you. I go, I know. I did it for him. And I go, yeah, I know that, but still, thank you. Right? But that's what the parable of the sheep and the goats is. You can't serve, you can't serve God without serving others. And one day God's going to say, thank you. You gave me a drink. Thank you. You fed me. Thank you. You visited me when I was in prison. And you say, well, Lord, I don't remember that. We remember John? Yeah. What you did to John, what you did to Mary, what you did to Frank, what you did to Angie, you did it to me. You did it to me. So you send it ahead. You hoard in heaven. When you serve others, when you invest your life in others. Number three, we, we, um, we send it ahead. We hoard more in heaven when we share the good news with others. The question I want to ask you is this. Will there be people in heaven because of you? Will there? You say, Pastor, God is sovereign and, and he calls people and draws people. It's all, you know, it's, it doesn't really, it does matter. You know, um, I remember R.C. Sproul was saying, because there's this big debate about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And if God is sovereign, then... We don't have to do anything, and God's going to make it happen anyway. And, and R.C. Sproul tells this funny story. So he's in this class, and there's this really, you know, stern teacher. And he, and he was stern, too. And he, he, he said, uh, tell me why, why uh, you should, if God is sovereign, why you should even bother to share the gospel with people. And he went by student to student to student, and, and uh, one by one, they all <laughs> fell down. And finally, R.C. Sproul basically said, well, because God's Word tells us to, go and make disciples. And he said, well, that just won't do. That just won't do. And uh, so he goes through the whole class. And, they, and he says, you've all miserably failed. You know, and he was, you know, it was a little tongue-in-cheek there. You've all miserably failed. Let me tell you the answer. The reason that you share the gospel, even if God is sovereign, is because the Bible tells us to. And R.C. Sproul goes, wait a minute here. <laughs> well, he didn't say it like that. He says, uh, I, I, that's what I said. He says, yeah, you did say that. And then I said, oh, that just won't do. And you folded like a deck of cards. That's no argument. The point is, God has called us to share the good news. You know, if you think of your own life, there were probably two or three people that were instrumental in your life. They invited you to church. They invited you to a Bible study. They shared a word. They, they, maybe they came to you and you were just going through a difficult time and they just kind of put an arm around your shoulder and said, I'll pray for you. They brought you a meal. They did something like that. And... Uh, you prepared the way. And you know what? Can you imagine what it will be like in heaven? And somebody walks up to you and say, you're one of the reasons. God used you to bring me to a place of faith where I trusted Jesus as my Savior. God used you. That's amazing. That's amazing. So Jesus tells in one more parable that's in Luke chapter 16. This is kind of an odd parable because there's this rich manager and he has this, this guy working for him. 
um, this rich man, and he has this manager working for him. This manager is, is just, you know, he's, he's sketchy. He's really sketchy. And he's, he's, the man kind of said, you know, the, 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 the boss basically says, essentially, you're sketchy and I'm going to fire you. I'm going to do it. And he goes out and everybody that owes his boss money, he says, what's, how much do you owe the boss? And he goes, oh, I owe you, I owe him $1,000. We'll make it 500 And he goes through and he does all of that stuff. And the manager, the, the, the owner finds out about it. <laughs> He says, he says, he says this, uh, he, he basically admired the guy, he still fired him, but he, he admired the shrewdness and dishonestness of the manager, and he says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends, then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to your eternal home. And you say, what in the world is he saying? What is Jesus saying about this parable? What's the point? Well, at the very least, the parable is teaching that we should see money as a tool to invest in people and, and uh, understand that we will, it will one day run out, so we ought to use it wisely. Invest it in people and use it wisely. At the very least, that's what the parable means. But it may mean something more. It may mean that when you invest your resources into the lives of others for the purpose of spreading the gospel, one day they will welcome you in heaven and say, because you invested in me, I'm here. Now, we know it's sovereign and God is, we get all, get all that. But the point is that God used you and your resources to help people step into his kingdom. And they will be there to give you a high five. That's pretty good. Well, how do you know if the wheels are coming off? Let me give you a few quick things and we'll close. Number one, are you paying too much attention to your wealth and possessions? If you are, then you're acting foolish. Number two, are you letting them replace your trust in God? Then you're becoming unfaithful. Number three, are you acquiring them at the expense of others? Then you're becoming an oppressor within God's kingdom. You know, the world, our pop culture says this. It says, it continually tells us to store up as much treasure as you can get. And essentially, in the area of salvation, what the Bible, what the, what the world, our pop culture says, it says, store up as much as you can good works. Store up all your good works. Give do all these good things, you know, and, but, but the, understand the reason. The reason you're storing up all this good works treasure is that so one day you can cash it in and get into heaven, right? But what the Bible says is we need to empty our barns. We need to humble ourselves. And if we uh, are ever to receive the gift of salvation, we need to see that we're absolutely empty and broken. See, until we see our desperate need of a Savior for sin, we'll never call out to Jesus. If we think we're good enough, then we don't need help. And so instead of treasuring up good works and trying to be good enough and trying to to do enough, we empty our barns and we say, I have nothing. I bring nothing to the table. I have nothing. I desperately need a Savior. And when you see you're a sinner and you're lost and you need a Savior, you will call out to Jesus. And we have to show people first 
that they desperately need a Savior. Because sometimes we ask them if they want a Savior, and they say, eh, my life's going okay, I don't need that accessory right now. And we have to understand, they don't understand the gospel. The gospel takes people who are at their bottom spiritually and broken and say, I am in trouble. And unless Jesus comes into my life, I'm dead. And when you come to that place, you will look to Jesus. And you will find the freedom and forgiveness that only he can give you. But you've got to get to that place. You've got to empty your barns and say, Jesus, I have nothing. I bring nothing to the table. Because you brought everything from heaven. You gave your life. Stand with me. Let's pray. So, Father, help us to hoard more. Not here on earth, because there's moth, there's rust, there's thieves. But we can send it ahead. Help us to invest in the lives of others. Help us to share the gospel. Help us to leverage our resources so more and more people can step into your kingdom. Father, thank you that you use us. I don't know how and I don't know why. And I don't know, (laughs) but you do. And that's so cool. It may be, Father, there's somebody here that's trying to <laughs> build a, a, a stockpile of good works that one day they'll just say, look at all I've done. May they just, just empty that right now and just empty their barn and say, Jesus, I come with nothing because you have brought everything. You're my only hope. So, Father, thank you for the gospel that it meets our greatest need, fills our empty hearts, and gives us an eternal hope. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.